Welcome to the final this week in the 90s of 2018. Yes, it's your look back at what happened this week in the 90s. On this week's show, we're going to go the sorry winter woes of Middlesbrough, the All-11 from Chelsea and a John Jensen goal that actually didn't matter. Don't tell anyone. It's this week in the 90s, brought to you by Alive and Kicking. I couldn't do this show on my own, of course, and I've got two people whose names fit perfectly into the festive season. Let me be, hopefully, and I was I think I was the first last week, so I'll continue it with Joel, Joel. You know what? Somebody made me a stocking, a Christmas stocking that says uh, Joya Noel. Oh, Joel beautiful. On it. So beautiful. I, put that up on, I put that up on my new Twitter account. Let's yeah, get that in there first. Let's get that in there first. So, this is the, if you watch your wrestling, the new Daniel Bryan, this is the new Joel Young. So, we're, we'll do it at the end anyway. But where are you now these days? I'm at Joel Baby Tweets because I got thrown off Twitter in absolute disgrace for saying rude words to somebody who was an idiot. And uh, yeah, that was the end of that. So, I'm rebuilding. So, if you were following me, and now you think I've disappeared or your timeline is suddenly a lot less cluttered and you want it to be recluttered again. Joel Baby tweets, all one word, come and say hello. That is your jitterbug right there. And, and jitterbug. Jitterbug. And joining us, of course, he's... Who needs Jesus Christ when we've got Matthew Christ? Oh, Journal, oh boom. Journalist. Do you know Matthew. something? But you, did anybody you, sing Matthew Christ Superstar to you? <laughs> well, do, you do, do, do you know this? I'm going to reveal this on air okay. live. My birth name is actually Chris C H R I S T, and I changed it. I changed it by a deed poll in January 1996 <laughs> to C R I S T, along with my brother and all. My dad's got seven brothers, uh, my uncles, and they all changed theirs. And they my got dad seven brides. Yeah, well, I assume they did it. Yeah, point. So, yeah so and, uh, Christmas film. Uh, and my dad and his wife, my mum, are the only Chris C H R I S T mm. left. Is that because my, people pronounced it Christ all the yeah, time? Yeah, it just became a real sort of like, oh, Christ. They had to take themselves out of the phone book years ago because people were getting like, in the, in the good oh, old days. when you Christ? Yeah. Um, so my brother changed it and then I was like, oh, you know what, I might change it. And my dad was like, well, I don't really care. And uh, so I changed it. And uh, yeah, it's funny because the stupid thing is, even now people still go, Christ. And I'm thinking, yeah. They, they almost, and, and even if people write the name out and I spell it they still put an H in there so I really shouldn't have bothered but um, <laughs> this didn't is cost like me John anything Cleese. So. John Cleese whose family were all uh, cheese weren't they yeah and John Cleese yeah. was going to be Jack Cheese which he sort of is quite name. upset that's a much it, better yeah, name. it's a much more comedy it's yeah. a com- great comedy name isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. so he sort of he, he kind of regrets that they did that maybe you know someone down yeah. the line further on well, maybe I should change it back his, I mean Jesus Christ <laughs> yeah, it, ne- it never, it never, it, um, all I had to do was type out a document and then get it witnessed and signed, like a, you do a passport, and then I just had to send it off to uh, the bank and the passport people and everything. And yeah, it's all done now, surely. Well, this was, I did this in yeah. January 96. I think Keeping it 96. Yeah, um, so, yeah, it's all done. I've still got the piece of paper somewhere, but no one's ever, ever asked me to, to, uh, prove it so well i don't uh, have a, i don't have a christmas link to my name but i i am ashley but i never use that because slightly like you matthew my name is spelled which is usually the girl's way so i'm a-s-h-l-e-i-g-h thank you mum and really? yeah so i didn't know that yeah so for a, a long time over email in my current job and in my previous job people used to think i was a girl which i've you know clearly got no issue with 
but it was a little bit embarrassing every time they phoned and they were trying to be a little bit hey and i'm like you're right Hey I, want, <laughs> hey, I want to talk to you, little lady. Yeah, in fact, there was one uh, client I had at one point who used to leave kisses on the end of his, his emails, despite the fact he never met me and, and he thinking I was a girl, which shows you what kind of guy he probably was anyway. And yeah, he, he got the uh, the fright of his life when he realised that he'd been emailing kisses to me for like a year or so. So, yeah. But I, did he carry on? Uh, no, actually. Oh, wow. His, oh, name, his name was... His name was Paul, so I started calling him Pete from now on just to annoy him. But yeah, that was in a previous life. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm Ash Rose. And yeah, when I went into the football media, and I decided just to shorten it. And yeah, so then, yeah, there we go. Names. There's something we didn't think we'd get to straight away on this week in the nineties. My my friends a few years ago, my so-called mates, Bernsey and Gaz, attempted without me knowing about it for my birthday to change my name from Joel Young to Joel Old. That's rubbish. And they were headed off at the pass by the sort of powers that be. But yeah, it, it got to me about a week later that I got a letter that somebody was trying to do this. And I went out on Facebook and went, who the bloody hell's trying to do this? Which was with, with, I hope, you, I hope with, you didn't swear too much. Otherwise, you I, 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 just said, I just said bloody. Oh, yeah. 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 with these moderators. And then, like, it turned out that half of Middlesbrough knew that this was going down and nobody had chosen to tell me, so that was good. So I nearly ended up with a new name, which is, this is a 90s-based story about name changing, right, which is good, and yeah. we can get background to what we're saying, but you remember live TV? Yeah, well, the weather yeah. in Norwegian and all that, yeah. And, and Top the, the start. Top and the, the start. news bunny, of new, course. Yeah. Well, the news bunny, what happened... Uh, what happened was one of the guys there who was the news bunny decided to change his name by Paul to news bunny but what happened was he got arrested and charged and went to court and ended up getting something like community service while he was news bunny and when that happens you can't change your name so this guy was stuck by i mean he might still be called legally news News bunny Bunny. now some 20 years later but (laughs) I, i think you know that's a story that's been hanging around for years whether it's apocryphal or what but it's it's Always one I heard, and this guy might still be kicking about, you know, some daft trainee who was putting on the news bunny suit, and now he's news bunny still. Mm. No one's ever done that in football, have they? That's missing. Like, no one's ever had a nickname that they've changed by a depot and really got into the character. That's never happened no, in football. I bet Gaz are trademarked his, though. I bet that's trademarked, yeah, but he's not. He's, yeah. he's, I had imagine- Chirito? It's more like a Brazilian thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's more like a... Yeah, I don't know if they'd actually officially do it by Depot or anything like that. Like, Pele's obviously... That's not his real name. It's... Edison Nascimento. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I wonder if... Yeah, he's trademarked it on Depot. Who knows? Tell us on Twitter, at AK90s, if you know the answer to that. Um, It's not like the Ultimate Warrior, who was the warrior for a while, um, Jim Helwig. Um, quite no, a wrestling thing because Ryback did that as well didn't yeah you? if you want more wrestling me and Joel Baby Tweets do a wrestling podcast as well I don't know if we've mentioned it a couple of times Wrestling Origins <laughs> W-O underscore pod on Twitter check it out if you like your wrestling um, but this podcast is about 90s football um, and for the first thing we're going to talk about tonight um, I didn't really do any research because I didn't need to one because I've got Joel and two Matthew decided to do an article on it as well so I'm going to let you take the floor in a second just by, and all I'm going to say is it's 20th of December 1996, so as we recall today, actually, yeah, it's the 20th of today, it was the famous game that Middlesbrough decided not to turn up to. We'll get the reasons why behind Joel in a minute, uh, which was against Blackburn at Ewood Park. It obviously led to a three-point deduction, which ultimately was almost the same points that would have kept them up that season, the season they got relegated. Joel, take us back to December 1996. You're the, as a fan, what do we remember? Why did it happen? The floor is well, yours. Uh- 
Okay, I was on a bus. <laughs> I was on a bus at home with my friend, what about who still it was actually we, we discussed that somebody had sent me a bottle of Jack Daniels for Christmas that I'd already drank. Uh, and that was Natalie. And she's I was on the bus with her and um we were just talking about the match the next day and oh god, aren't we gonna get beat? And this guy just went, matches off. And I went, what, like pitch or something? And he went, oh no, we've just called it off. And I went, what? And obviously, and if you don't know, we've talked about this before, but what happened was everybody in the club, apparently, was down with a sickness bug. And it looked like Anderson was going to have to play. Look, uh, Viv Anderson, it looked like Brian Robson was going to play. Brian Robson did play his last, his last competitive uh game a few weeks later when we went to Arsenal I think he, I think he might have played at centre back but um, yeah, we got beat of course um, and uh, so this bug had wiped out half the team, more than half the team I think and, and people were going down like everybody up at Herworth and, I don't think it was Herworth then actually but every, everybody in training was going down and so uh, Keith Lamb Steve Gibson, Brian Robson contacted the Premier League and said we haven't got any players. We can't put out a team. Now, I always think that's a bit of a... I always think it was a bit weak because if it come down to it, they could have put out a youth team and yeah. said, we're going to you know, we're gonna get hammered, whatever. It's just one of them. We're going to have to play. Because I knew a couple of the lads in the youth team at that point. And they were saying, like, they were, they were all ready to be called up. So I sort of think them saying there wasn't anybody available was a bit sort of swingy the lead. Now, the story that comes out of Middlesbrough at this point is that they contacted the league and the league had given them, them permission, provided they got all the correct documentation, that everybody was ill, everybody had this bug, blah, 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 blah. And so they did. And they cancelled the day. Blackburn, I think, were in the were they in the relegation mine with us. I think Tony Parks was in charge yeah, of them. Yeah, no, I think they were just about just above you guys, weren't they? Yeah. And they, um, so they went rightfully mad, which I think they had probably every right to go mad. I would do if it was the other way around. Uh, the game didn't go ahead. Robson was saying he would have to play cleaning ladies and youth team and uh, and all this business. The game didn't happen. Uh, a couple of months later, we get, or whatever it was, five, six weeks later, we get the, the ruling from the Premier League that a three-point deduction is right and fair. Um, Burr appealed it with George Carman, who'd never lost a high-profile case in his life until this one. <laughs> <laughs> And we and we got the three points taken away, and I think there was a fine and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's that thing. It's still. I think that we shouldn't have cancelled the game. It shouldn't have happened. It was probably fair, but it's that thing of Tottenham a few seasons before that had had twelve points taken yeah. off them and then given back. Um, it, it shows the difference between the big clubs and the little clubs, I think. But it was a shambles of a situation. Everybody was wrecked, but it was dealt with very badly and. I think that they were lied to by the league who sort of told them one thing one minute and then told them another thing the next. Because it was a dangerous precedent to set, I think. Like, what, you know, I think later on you could get other clubs, you know, say if you say for, I don't know, you know, United are playing Liverpool or something and United have got a load of injuries. What's to stop them saying, oh, well, everybody's got the flu? You know, it, mm. it would have opened up a full can of worms, I think. So uh, it was probably the right decision, but... Again, I didn't think it was a fair one at the time. Mm. I think the, the thing as well that I didn't realise until I, I read Matthew's excellent article, which we'll get on to in a minute, which the game was replayed then the penultimate game of the season. So actually it turned out yeah. to be a more important game than it might have been in the December. Because And then we got Billy anyway. I yeah. Think it, uh, 
was it two one or two nil or something? No, it finished nil nil that game. Oh, was it nil nil? I thought yeah. we got big. I think I think there was a chance right at the end for Janino against Colin Hendry, and Colin Hendry sort of stopped him right at the end, and and that was it. I think it was played on a Wednesday night or something. Um, so yeah, it was just it was a shambolic situation, uh, c- compounded by false information from the league, but probably the right decision but it still hurts the thing is we were terrible going up to that we've been apart from like the few odd flashes and the cup runs in the league we've been absolutely diabolical and it's like i've, I've said on this show before you know it's cool having ravenelli and janino and emerson but it's not so cool if and, and no disrespect to these lads but if you have to bring in you know, if they get injured and then you bring in Chris Freestone and Philip Stamp, you know, and and Craig Ignat, who's been on the show, uh, who I always liked as a player anyway. But, you know, it, it was no good. We sort of had these superstars and then we didn't have the rest of the structure there. Um, but what it did was it gave us a kick up the arse and then we went and bought Mark Schwarzer and Gianluca Fester, who if we bought them three months earlier, we probably would have stayed up anyway because they were exactly what we needed. Fester yeah, was a big old unit, wasn't he? Yeah, he was great. Yeah. A very, very, very popular player at the Riverside. He scored his. He scored on his debut. We played Chef Wednesday at home. We won four two, and uh, Fester scored. And obviously, everybody all at once when he scored, da 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 da, the whole stadium. I was just like, get in there. So whether that was pre-planned and talked about in Flying at the Moon or the programs or what, but. That just I I remember that just spontaneously happening when he scored just the theme of the Adams family if you're not familiar with what I was saying so yeah it gave and, and it solidified us and it and it gave us an us against them mentality I think in terms of the town um, the town's never recovered from that in terms of this mentality this paranoia that they think everybody's out to get them um, I mean because some of the stuff that was going on in the papers was unbelievable. Um, Zola had just signed to Chelsea and in the News of the World they ran a story thank God I didn't go to Middlesbrough says Gianfranco Zola and it's the same pictures of ICI and British Steel and all the rest of it and if you read the article from Zola he was just saying I love Chelsea London's great I, I love playing for the club I love you know it was, he didn't even mention Middlesbrough once Those but that was the kind journalists. of yeah that was the kind of level of stuff that was happening there was, there was this idea I mean Ravinelli signing for £42,000 a week made the front of the sun because people, you know, it was it was outrageous, it was scandalous. Who did these Northerners think they were? What did they think they were doing? You know, Janino had upset them enough by going to Borough instead of going to Arsenal. And and, and then for us to sign this European Cup winner. So there was, the knives were out sort of thing. And then, and then what we did was sort of compounded it ourselves with our own tactical naivety at times. The fact that Ravinelli was shouting at all the team. Uh, the fact that Emerson would just go off to Brazil. I mean, that was sort of stoked by the press as well. Um, so there was, I mean, it was just farcical. But um, yeah, but the area, I think, has never quite, it's never got to where it was before. And it was just sort of quite happy. Well, not quite happy, but it was just sort of ticking along as a sort of anonymous northeastern town. And then we were suddenly getting attacked from all angles for the crime of having an ambitious owner. And and that was kind of peculiar, and and that still exists. That everybody hates us, you know, sort of paranoia mentality. It's it's um, really strange, and I, th- I just think that's because because we, we had the sheer goal to 
go out and buy some world-class players. Well, Matthew, you've stayed quite silent there. You released an article on the Sportsman today, um, picking the bones of this. What did, what, where have you found the stories come from? What is true from, facts from fiction about this whole debacle? Well, the reason I stayed quiet there is because, I mean, how do you follow that, really? I mean, that was a real <laughs> great... Well, I mean, it was a great synopsis of the whole thing, really. I mean... <laughs> I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that I thought, I mean, we've never spoken about this before. I thought Joe would have a little more of a sort of sob story about the whole thing than he did or Middlesbrough fans have. I I thought it would would rankle a lot more. I mean, it obviously does, but I I don't think there's a sense, there wasn't a sense of injustice there that I thought Joe might say there was. I think there was, I think we had it at the time. I think we were outraged and I think on top of everything else that had happened, you know, the sort of national media attacks, the attacks in, in the press, the fact that the team weren't playing well as well. Um, so I think that all happened at the time and I was very, very, very angry at the time. But now sort of looking back on it, I go, it was probably right, but it was dealt with yeah, I, by that, everyone. That's exactly how I had it in my head, having sort of researched it and what I remember of it and write about it. I think you're right. I think there is a precedent, a precedent that can be set there. I think it is dangerous to just say um, we can't play a game. I mean, I know it was twenty odd years ago, but you know there, there are still there still would have been a squad of twenty two, twenty four, probably thirty players at that football club. Well, well I knew, could have... I knew uh, there was a lad called Salis Salis Bakayoko who was in the youth team, and he. I remember running into him, and he went, "We were ready to go." He said some of the lads, yeah. some of our lads were sick, but we were kind of like, well, we'll go and play, we'll go and get hammered, but it'll be good, it'll be yeah. good experience, it'll be all the lads and blah, 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 blah. So I always just thought, oh, yeah, like, why? I'm sure yeah. if they'd have known what was going to happen and they hadn't been given any chances yeah, I think you're right. the I Premier think... League, that they would have just said, oh, bugger this, you know, look, let's yeah. go and play, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks, because the transfer window wasn't a thing then, there was transfer deadline there, but you could still go and buy people all over the place. And we yeah. bought Fester and Schwarzer within about a week of each other or something, or maybe even the same day. I can't, can't quite remember. We got Schwartz from Bradford, and I think uh, Fester came from Inter Milan. Um, and it was just... It was it was a bad situation that was badly dealt with. And I've not... I, th- I think the club were naive, and I think the Premier League sort of sold yeah, the top, really. I couldn't, I I couldn't agree more. I, I think, like you say, they were... I think they were mis- uh, misguided. I don't know whether deliberately or someone gave them some false information because I don't think they would have done that knowing what was, was going to happen. Because ultimately, like, like we said, it was a, it was double jeopardy, really, wasn't it? Because they lost they lost the three points and then they didn't. They planned to play the game again and lost two. So that game ultimately cost them five, potentially six points. So mm. you know, in hindsight, you go, all right, we'll go and play the game and get and get beaten. You'd lose three points and you'd still stay up. So I just don't know why they thought it was a good idea not to well, play the game. I do think that I, I do think having watched them at the t- having been there to all those games that season that it did galvanize us. That it yeah, did like it, 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 it galvanized the, the fans as well because there was anger. I, I, I've talked about this before. I think was it at the at the FA Cup final or it might have been even at the League Cup final the year the year the next year when we were in uh, what was then division 1 getting promoted. And I have never heard noise in that end of Wembley where everybody's shouting three points, three points, three points. It was, you know, and that's that's in years of being a DJ and years of going to matches. And, and it got so loud that Nigel Pearson ran from the line once he'd introduced him. I think it was Prince Charles, but I might be wrong. And he came running up and started giving it the shut up, calm down signs because everybody was that loud. So the anger was still there about a year later, I think. I've ne- never, never heard anything like it. it certainly happened at the FA Cup final that year and I think the League Cup final the year after but 
yeah, it was just, like I said, it was just badly handed. And it did I mean, gal- galvanise the crowd and it galvanised the club, I think, later on that we were going to fight it. And we certainly put in some spirited performances after that. that I mean, um, a, a, another thing you said there, and, I, and, and I, this is something I was thinking about today. I, I'm not against clubs getting deducted points. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I think... I think these days more clubs should get deducted points because it's such an inconsistency in football, isn't it? I mean, you can do the worst thing in the world and you get a fine and it really doesn't affect anybody. You deduct points, points for one reason or another. are the scariest thing, it, aren't they? Yeah. It will kill you. And it's happened yeah. before. It well, happened with the brawl at Old Trafford. It's yeah, well, but, keep your head but in, you're going to do going, it. Going more modern days, um, it, it, the season we went up in 2011, we had the old Alejandro Thorlein um, situation hanging over us right down to the last day of the season where... We'd been promoted by all mathematically, but we thought we'd be ducked, docked points and ultimately we'd be down the league and we wouldn't have gone up. And it wasn't until, I think, half an hour before kickoff against Leeds on the last day of the season that the FA um, decided not to dock us points. But everyone was petrified. There's a famous shot of um, the chairman at the time, Gianni Pardini, in the four-year plan running down the, the, uh, the, the Loftus Road Tunnel going, no points deducted, no points deducted, because it's such a massive threat. I mean, It is, and I think it's the only... <laughs> It's the only sort of deterrent you can have now, but do it in a way that is fair and, yeah. and I mean, if, if there is such a fair way. But I mean, I remember that, that brawl at Old Trafford, United obviously got deducted one, Arsenal got deducted two. There was not, there wasn't the outcry that there would be now. Mm. Um, I mean, you've obviously, nowadays you get points deductions more for financial irregularities, but I'm not, I'm obviously not being a draconian about it, but I think deducting points isn't necessarily the, the worst thing you can do. But like you said, Joel, if you're going to do it, because if you played on a Sunday morning game and your team didn't turn up for one reason or another, you would, I assume you'd lose the game or, you'd, you know, it'd be a forfeit match or yeah, yeah, deducted yeah. points. So, you know, there is, you can see there is a case for saying, look, you didn't, you didn't fulfil the fixture, so we're deducting your points. But the fact is, it wasn't consistent and it hasn't been consistent since, as far as I know, in the Premier League. Well, I mean, League. you know, you've got to look at things like Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United and West Ham over the Tevez, thing, uh, yeah. Tevez and Mascarano. Yeah. And it's like, that was, if, you know, and I think if that had been the other way around, it was Sheffield United who'd had Tevez and Mascarano. And I know this is all conjecture and just, you know, what ifs, what ifs. But you can't tell me that Sheffield United wouldn't have got deducted points and West Ham, you know, as the, as the London yeah. club. I just genuinely think that that exists and that's, you know, because yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it, man. You know, I've seen it with Borough. I've seen it with West Ham. It's, you know, it's in Sheffield United. It's really, really... I, I, I mean, the only thing that flies in the face of that, so, the only thing that does fly in the face of that is the brawl of Old Trafford. But other than that, I mean, like you said, Tottenham had 12 points deducted, didn't they? And, then, and got them yeah. all back. No, that they was, got, that was they financial, half back, didn't Yeah, they? that was financial though, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I say I'm not, I'm not being a... Nick Ferrari here and, and calling for everyone to get big deducted points just to be controversial. I just think it's an interesting angle that, you know, if you're going to say, right, we're going to punish clubs, you know, whether it's for I think crowd fans. chanting or whatever. Well, look at, look at City now. There's this sort of, sort of Damocles of financial fair play hanging over the head. Does anybody seriously think that Manchester City are going to get deducted points? No, no because it's it's Manchester City, the glamour club, the super club in the country at the minute, the glamour club with, you know, one of the best managers in the world and, and they're all quite sexy and quite cool. Nothing will happen to Manchester City. Now, I, I think if that had been the Blackburn Rovers of 20 years yeah. ago, then... Blackburn Rovers probably would because that's not a fashion and Blackburn Rovers were, were never a fashionable club like City are now. No. It's really, 
Yeah. No, I, I, I do. And fines and to, to clubs like City is, is pointless. They can back like when you hear, When you hear something like, oh, Chelsea have been fined 80 yeah. grand. Oh, well, you know, that's wonderful. That's a week. That's a, <laughs> you know, know, like, it's not even a week wages grand? for some of their players. It's, 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 it's nothing. It's like finding that down the back of the old, or the Stamford Bridge to- um, sofa, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's mm. Certainly for club um, behaviour. I mean, it's slightly different when it gets into fan behaviour because you, you run that risk then of Who the fans sort of yeah. misbehaving on purpose and, you know, instigating it to try and get points deducted or whatever. But in terms of wrongdoing, which doesn't happen that often, does it? I mean, you don't really get cases of. I suppose a huge a mass brawl or, or what have you, or in this case, I mean, have there been cases of this happening since or no, but previously? I don't, I don't. To be honest, when this happened, I remember thinking at the time I didn't even know that you kind of could. Like growing up, not being a bit naive to the rules of football that dealt that, that deep down, I just didn't. Think well, I think that was the grey area, wasn't it? I yeah. think that's the problem with the club. And, like Joel said, Robson was involved, and Gibson, and you know, the chairman, the manager, that everybody was sort of talking about it and thinking hang on a minute it is a possibility and someone's obviously said well they've said we can do this it was a bit of a, a shot in the dark and it, it was a punt and it went horribly wrong but you know and i'm not I think blaming that's what the that. appeal that's what the appeal was based on what the which they went back to the you know when they had this ruling um when george carman represented them on i think he was on about twenty-five thousand pound a day or something <laughs> ridiculous like that and, and that was what it was based on. It was like they weren't denying that they'd, they'd done wrong, or but they were saying they were forced into a situation because of this virus ripping through the camp. And then they had gone to the league and asked for permission, and the league would give it. And that's what the doubt, and that's what they said. On and I believe them in that. Yeah, case, yeah, you know? I agree. From everything I, I've read of that and seen of it and listened to you, I think it was it was more the injustice of the sort of inconsistency rather than if. If it was a known fact that if you don't fulfil a fixture 24, 48 hours before a game, you get deducted points, I don't believe Middlesbrough would have done no, it. I just they would have just right. you know, taken, yeah, no, taken just the pump with the youth team. The cleaning they? Lady yeah. And everybody who they had that have played keepers up front, you know, it'd have been like a daft game of bloody, you know, uh, ISS Pro or whatever, you know, FIFA, where you just stick the goalie up front just for a laugh when you're getting beat 9-0. It would have been like that. But um, yeah. I think because they were given one bit of advice, and, and that's what rankles is, the fact that, I don't know whether lied to is the right phrase, but they were certainly yeah, mis- told, misinformed. misinformed. Yeah, they yeah. were certainly told, and you know, and then suddenly the documentation that the Premier League had had disappeared, and like there was a few little things like that, and you think, you know, that's fair enough. But in defence, playing devil's advocate for the league, I think they had to say that. I think they had to do something because otherwise. The precedent was set then if Borough were allowed to get away with it. Yeah, so well, especially you, now. Like you know, doing it all the time. You know what teams are like now. I mean, especially Premier League teams. You know, Christmas period and everyone moaning about fixtures and cup, you know, congestion. I mean, can you imagine now you could do that? I mean, every manager to a man would be saying, oh, well, you know, this, we've just come back from Europe. We've got the League Cup. You know, we're going to cancel this. So I, mm. I do see their point. I mean, I assume that's why nobody's ever tried, to do, tried to do it. Never tried to do it again. No, yeah, ever since that, that we know famous, of. Um, and and rightfully so. I mean, uh, Tottenham yeah. were ill that famous last day of the season in the, the, the 2000s when they had the lasagna gate, as they call it. You know, I'm sure that they would have tried to do that. It crossed their mind, but this being what had happened before and being the last day of the season, it probably wouldn't be difficult. I, I, mean, played, I mean, on a more serious note, and being, you know, I mean, you think after the Munich air crash, I mean, yeah. about 10 days after that, United fielded a team of, yeah, you know, for a cup tie, you know, and that was the bare bones, literally. So, you know, I mean, obviously the first game they were supposed to play, I think it was against Wolves, was postponed. But um, other than that, you know, they basically 
got on with it. And, yeah. yeah, they said you've you've got a league, you've got a league program to. Fall yeah, to and it. the league, the football league, were famously very harsh on United for that. I mean, I mean, if you go into it, part of the reason why they flew back that night from Munich via oh, from Belgrade via Munich was because they had to fulfil the fixture on the Saturday because they, the, the football league weren't pro or very much against European football then. So they basically said, look, if you want to get involved in this newfangled competition, you damn well better come back and play on Saturday. And that's why the plane tried to take off three times in, in terrible weather conditions. I know I'm not comparing it to what happened with Middlesbrough, but it's it's just interesting how, you know, under what circumstances you can you can postpone a fixture. And the fact, I'm sure, that United would have tried to have cancel the, the the game that cup tie against Sheffield Wednesday they played 10 days afterwards but they didn't they played mm. famously you know it wasn't a mashed up team of, of, of sort of reserves and loan players and what have you but that's the only other time I can really think of a team being decimated quite literally you know? yeah um, and that's uh, obviously a lot serious and, and, and that's the kind of thing as well that you don't think the, pub, the, the public certainly would have been in support of United I mean that's the air crash is probably one of the reasons United are such a hugely supported club. You know, it, it took you know, especially especially that initial sort of flourish of everyone yeah, to Manchester United. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'd be interested to know whether how many times there's been a possible yeah, and if that's even um, cancellation a, a rule book now. Is there something we don't know that's been included since? 1996 or updated at any point of being, you know, something we may never know because no one will try this again. I but. don't think anybody, everybody would ever try, especially in, you know, in relegation trouble. And even like a few points can cost you millions and millions now yeah. in that final Premier it, League position. So it, it is interesting though, isn't it? Because like you said, Joe, I mean, these days you've got so many professionals. I mean, God knows how many professional yeah. footballers you've got in a, in a squad or in a team. 40 probably, but as, mm. as sort of I don't want to say big spending as Middlesbrough were because obviously that sounds a bit like the tabloids that you were talking about. But as as well known Middlesbrough were for having a great collection of players, it, it proved there was no real strength in depth in that in those days, which I don't think was a Middlesbrough thing. I think generally just, that was just football players, in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, you'd have yeah. your. I mean, that, I mean that sort of United team in the mid nineties. Everyone, you know, you go Keane, Cantona, Skulls, all that. But I mean, underneath that, you you take out. You know, ten of those players. These days, you can make ten changes for a cup tie. I mean, everyone's going to do it, and it'll still be a wonderful yeah. team. Yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. then, it just goes to show, however much talent you had at your disposal, although brilliant. you couldn't field. Well, actually, there's been a bit of symmetry this week with this because obviously, you should, you know that we got knocked out of the League Cup by Burton this week. And what happened before play? that on the Saturday, though? We got we got beat by QPR. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't mention that in your opening. Well, you know, I was leaving you to it. We're, we're going to bash a lot of Middlesbrough, but God, seeing as you brought this week up, but yeah. The... Um, so yeah, it's not a particularly great time to be a Middlesbrough fan. Um, but um, we um, and the story today that's been all over the local papers at home has been that a sickness bug ripped through the Burton Albion camp oh. before the game, and they were struggling a bit. And well, they did all right, didn't they? Going. Yeah, and, and you know they came and. They did the game plan and they won one nil. And I think they got City. They got yeah, they're going to get battered, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, battered. but they'll love it. Yeah, it, with the fact that it's two legs as well, it's it's kind of harsh punishment. I just don't know why the semi-finals are still two legs. It's a bit bizarre. Um, yeah, that to, that's really to me. It's, I'm amazed that has never there's never yeah, been any pressure for that to be changed because again, with the whole the, the, all the crybaby antics about you know the FA Cup and replays and all that kind of stuff, you think the League Cup not just for players 
the benefit of the players. But from a fan's point of view, who you know wants what? to see yeah, a two-legged semi-final? Why wouldn't you go and do a single one and a do what the, what the FA Cup used to do and do yeah. it at you know Old Trafford, yeah. do yeah. it at Leeds or Hillsborough or whatever? That would be. That, that that would be really 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 yeah. good. Yeah, it'd be a night game as well, so you get that kind of night atmosphere at one of those. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Well. That. Yeah, I don't know because why they do it. It's and that, and one year away goals counts, then the next year they don't. They change their mind all the time. But yeah, yeah. Um, that that a miss by Adam Flint, Joel. That's up there with Ronnie Rosenthal, isn't it? Oh, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> one of those that's harder uh, to miss. It's not much. It's the um, the the circles are wagging for me. The wagons are circling even. For Mr. Pulis at the minute, I just hear a lot of really? unrest at home about it. Yeah, um, I kind of personally think he's probably the right man for the job and we've got to be realistic. But I certainly wouldn't have put three defensive midfielders in against Burton Albion. Yeah, a uh, bit of an opportunity missed that one. I thought that with Leicester as well. I thought, you know, it, with the, other than Burton, the three semi-finalists are a bit boring. But that, that's, keep mm. it, that's keep it 90s. Um, we're going to talk about uh, we'll talk about foreigners there with Middlesbrough. We're going to talk very much about foreigners here. This was a kind of a light landmark moment. I don't think a fuss was made of it at the time, but we're looking back in the history of, of the Premier League. This was on Boxing Day on 1999, the first time an English league team fielded an entire eleven made up of overseas players. In uh, it was. Southampton v Chelsea, it was obviously Chelsea in a 2-1 victory. Um, I'm going to play a little game with you guys in a second, but firstly, coming to you first, Matthew, did this bother you at the time? Has it bothered you since? We've talked a lot about the foreign rule on here before with Man United kind of suffering from that. Did it bother you then? Does it bother you now that there's, there's no Englishman in the starting lineup? Uh, well, it certainly didn't bother me then, because as I always say on this, uh, anything after about 1997, I didn't, I didn't really give a shit about because I was... <laughs> out, drink, out drinking and enjoying. Not good for the podcast, Matthew. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but uh, I, I mean, to say it bothers you, I'd say it was probably you know. I mean, if it did bother me, then I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be talking on this, would I? But um, does it bother me? No, I think there's an element of compromise. I mean, I think you. I mean, I don't see why you can't still have an, a a cap on. National uh, nationalities in terms of players. I mean, it happens. It happens in cricket. It happens in other sports. I mean, if that's what you wanted to do, I don't personally think it matters. I mean, mm. Does it really matter? But if if people are going to go down that road, then maybe you could say, well, you know, uh, five domestic. But then doesn't isn't there some kind of new rule now that there is there has to be some kind of domestic based player in, in the camp but, I think it is yeah I think it's in your squad not necessarily but your I mean again I don't know how you um, there's a loophole there must be because it must yeah, be I don't know how you get around. around I feel like financial fair play yeah, isn't it? but I mean it, it doesn't it, no it doesn't bother me I mean don't get me wrong I'm, I'm as nostalgic as anybody when I watch oh, you know 70s 80s games and you see people like Soonis and Hanson and Hughes and Robson I mean but then but that was, I'm only being nostalgic because that was of that era. Yeah. It wasn't because I wanted them to all be Scottish or English or Welsh or whatever. It was just, that's what they were at the time. If I was growing up and all those players were German or French or what have you, then I'd, it wouldn't bother me. It only, it's only an issue to me if um, it's, what you're, it's what you're used to. And um, but, but As a Man United yeah. fan as well, so you've got that kind of long tradition. I think there's some crazy stat, isn't there, that... I think there's a, cons- uh, I don't know the actual number, but there's consecutive games that Man United. Yeah, it's had. about to nearly two or three thousousand. Yeah, three, like a graduate in their matchday yeah. squad. Whether I mean, it's very, or... it's very, it's a bit tenuous because I mean, obviously there's going to be a bit of a 
you know, they're not necessarily British or homegrown yeah, or what you want like to, you Mac- know. Makeda, yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I suppose it's something to cling on to. But, um, I, but you see, I find it all a bit hypocritical because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of contradicting myself here. But I just think, I mean, I, I'm, I think of the 1985 FA Cup final, United, Liverpool, Goodison Park, and then it went to replay at Main Road. Now, to me, that was one of the greatest ever games you'll ever see, not tactically, but just passion and atmosphere yeah. and everything and I think off the top of my head I mean you've got Liverpool against United I think Sammy Lee was the only scouser in that mm. Liverpool team and I'm trying to off the top I'm really trying to think whether there are any Mancunians in the United team but I mean obviously I mean, John Gidman was playing for United he was from Liverpool but other than that I mean you had Robson who was English but I mean most of that Liverpool team were Scottish mm. or Irish, you know, uh, Beglin and Whelan, what have you. Uh, United uh, had a lot of Irish Scots. But so, you know, I look back on that and think that was the greatest era you'll ever watch football. But it doesn't mean... But none of them the 90s. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two yellow, yellow cards. Keep it on brand. But, but I'm just thinking if I was... I, I'm, what, my point is, you, you, it's what you hark back to when you're of a certain age. I think a lot of people that moan about foreigners coming into the game now... Uh, it's uh, the people that were of a certain age. If you had somebody on this podcast that was 25, they wouldn't have an issue with it because no, it's all they've ever known. To, but for yeah. us, and maybe maybe less you, more, maybe more, more me and Joel were slightly older. It, yes, I'd love to see a load of Scots and Irish and English fellows who used to drink afterwards and, you know, getting stuck into each other. But that's only because that's what I grew up with. So, you know, I'm not going to have an issue with something that happened 20 years, 20 years after that and say, well, it's all, it's wrong because it's not. It's just what happened. Joe, are you the, I mean, obviously, is it, there's something to be said for the local lag that comes good, but at the same time, we know how much you love Janinho and that foreign influx. Is, the, is it getting the balance rather than having one or the other? Is that the, the perfect I think way? Just, I, I think you take it all on a case-by-case sort of basis. You know, if you've got a, if you've got a local lad who's, who's brilliant and you can bring through, he's going to be as loved as if you go out and buy a mega superstar mm. who comes in and, and tries the heart out. It wasn't anything that kind of bothered me. For, for us at Borough, it was exciting that we were able to go out and get these players, that uh, these foreign players of such calibre that, you know, one of them had won the European Cup the year before, the other one was... You know, I, I always like getting interesting, good foreign players. The the problem is, which has been discussed for years elsewhere, is when you go out and buy somebody from any country in the world, and then it's like, well, are they necessarily better than the people that you've already got in yeah, the club? In the or are you just getting yeah. them in because it's, yeah, somebody in the youth team? And is somebody... Are you going out and buying somebody who's probably about three or four years on in their development instead of taking the risk with somebody that you're bringing through who is British? That would be the kind of only problem. But I mean, youth teams come from all over the world now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd catchment area, but then you can go and get people from other places. Mm. I'd have more a problem with people gerrymandering it. You know, I I think I would find that a bit sort of not patronising, but it's you know, should be forced to. To say, oh, you've got to have these players in yeah. there because that's where they're from. I mean, that's that is slightly patronising, isn't it? And and it's a bit of a cliche, but if you're that good, you'll come through. I mean, the mid '90s were ripe for foreign imports, but you still had some of the greatest English players you'll ever find playing in the mid '90s. You had Robbie Fowler, you had Paul Scholes, you had Nicky Butt, you had David Beckham, you had Gary Neville. You know, and they 
They, it's similar to the they, age thing, isn't it? When people say if yeah. you're old enough, you're good enough. Then then it's like, well, if you're good enough, you're good Doesn't enough. Matter your nationality, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe it says more about. I don't know. Maybe I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, look at Robertson at Liverpool. You know, he, by all accounts, he's one of the best fullbacks around. I mean, he's mm. Scotland captain. He's flying at Liverpool, and he's sort of re- come relatively up through the old fashion yeah, way. Right. If you yeah. if you want to say that, I know he's not a Liverpool player, yeah. but you know he. he and I'm sure there'd be no no manager would think, oh well, I can't touch him because he, you know, he's he's, he's from Scotland and he played for Hull. I think no, I, I don't really have an issue with it. Like I said, I do, I do, I like the old great days, but that's like I say, that's like me and Joel liking top of the pops of 1986 rather than from. It was very you know, lower tonight. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't find it tonight. Actually, was it? Was it on? It's on at the normal time. Yeah, it's on again tomorrow. What was Christmas yeah, number one in 1986? Christmas number one, nineteen eighty-six. I think he's repetite Jackie Wilson. It's not very Christmassy, is it? It was quite good. That yeah, but it's a good minute, song, but it's not very Christmassy. The minute Berlin take my breath away. Oh, that's a bit of a dirge. which has been on for four weeks and yeah. it's dragging. Tonight was poor. Yeah, there was a debate on Twitter today, completely going off any football subject here. That is, is two become one and stay another day? Are they actually Christmas songs? And I said, well, yeah, the you know the Christmas number ones, they are. There's something kind of wintry about the songs and the well, videos. Well, uh, stay now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, stay another day has got jingle bells at the end of it. Yeah. Didn't they add them after stuff. when they knew they were going to be Christmas number one, though? Yeah, I mean, that was the famous biz top tip, yeah. wasn't it? Where it was like, you know, pop bands, make your single a Christmas single by adding a choir and some yeah, church bells yeah. at the end. Because I think yeah, they reshot they... the video as well, didn't they, to do the whole snow and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloody tune. I heard of that earlier. That was a bloody tune. Um, I'm going to play a quick Christmas game that could go probably quite wrong. I've got the 11 in front of me who, right, we who, got. who played for Chelsea and the Christmas game is where are they now? Oh God. Yeah, what are they up to? I mean, yeah. oh, this could go on. This this could go on I, was going, I was going, well, I'll know Dan Petrescu and Flo maybe. Well, I'll tell you what, it'd be a lot quicker to name them than it would work <laughs> what out. Do you want to name them instead? Is that easier? And I can tell you well, what no, they're no. doing now. Well, let's do, let's do both. Okay, goalie. Was it Dehoy? Dehoy, there we go, yeah. and, and he is currently, I mean, I'll, disclaimer, none of them are doing anything particularly amazing or embarrassing, so you're going to get a theme, so where do we think Ed Dehoy is in 2018? Ajax. Ooh, close. Feyenoord. <laughs> you'll never get the team because I can't even pronounce it, but yeah, he's goalkeeping coach at RKC Valik. I've never heard of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, defender stroke right back, I think they're playing three at the back of the, on the day. Dan so, Pet Rescue? Oh, well, he's in the team, so we'll give you that. So, yeah, Dan Pet Rescue. Um, he's currently coaching in a, a far land. Anyone want to take a go? China or something, random. Yeah, he's managing in China. Uh, yeah, Gar- that's not bad, eh? Gar- football's, football's best David Duchovny lookalike. The, yeah, well, the world's best David Duchovny lookalike, sure. The only. David Duchovny. Yeah. yeah. Dude, it's truth is out there, Dan Petrescu. What's he doing now? I don't know what he's doing now. Make Dan Petrescu look alike. Yeah, be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Romania, it'd be very, very popular. Um, so joining him, defence. Um, so they had Le Buff. Le Buff, yeah. yeah. Frank Le Buff. So what's he doing now? He must be a. I say he's a media pundit. Ooh, no, he's gone the Cantona route. Acting. Uh, acting. acting, yeah. No credits since 2014, though, unfortunately. Did you check his IMDb? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's well, not very much in, on there. Has been in anything that we would know? No, they're all French. Unless you're very up on your French cinema. I'm not really into French telly's really weird. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Um, okay, so how many more defenders we got? Uh, two more defenders. One more. No, they had five oh, at the back, so two more oh. defenders. Spanish right back. 
Oh, the other other than that, I've forgotten his name. Alberto Ferrer. That's um, correct. Yeah. Was that right? Get yeah. In there. <laughs> he is. He? Uh, he currently coaches the Barcelona Legends team. Oh God! No, what a what a gig that must yeah. be. I know. If such a thing exists, <laughs> that's got to be just a piss up all the time. <laughs> do you get paid for this? Um, I bet they do because Barcelona's got everything. Like, because that's what John Hall wanted to do at Newcastle was turn them into Barcelona, and that's why you got every or like the Newcastle ice hockey and the Newcastle basketball yeah. that nobody particularly cares about. They draw, they draw big crowds. Or United Legends played Barcelona Legends in the yeah, New Camp yeah. last summer. I mean, it was obviously not the hundred fourteen thousand that were there that night when I was there when United got beaten four 0 But I bet you there was a good. 40,000 people there, if not more. Holy moly. Mm, well, you know, um, people love all that kind of stuff. People, people love people nostalgia, like do they? <laughs> that can go along and go, phew, it's not like... If there was the 1985 Legends team, then I would definitely right. go to that. Matthew, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pull you up in a minute on your 85 references. Sorry. Um, okay. So, right, OK, so in defence with LeBeouf, and I imagine Petrescu was playing centre-back, so they had one more centre-back. Big Brazilian guy. I'm surprised oh. he never played for Middlesbrough, actually. He seems like a Middlesbrough signing. Emerson Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he did play for a bit of Again, from Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. 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 Apparently, now I, I couldn't confirm this because a lot of this is quickly done on Wikipedia. He's a scout for Everton, but in Portugal. Well, well, that's, an even, that's an even better kid <laughs> than being the manager of the Barcelona Legends team, isn't it? Every mm. week you, they ring you up and you, they... They say, have you, have you seen anyone worth signing? No, no, no. no bring, right. me, bring me back next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I, need, any, I don't know what Anderson Tom's actually up to. It hits up on Twitter. Um, last defender, left back. Um, this is the only one I don't really know what he's doing. Um, Nigerian left back. Baki Yoko. Well, Babi Yaro. Babi Yaro, that's it. Celestine Babi Yaro. Celestine, yeah. The only thing I could find that he does a lot of the Legends tours, like takes part in those, but... What a life it is being a retired I know, footballer exactly. now. Because nobody has to go and like become insurance sales. I know that's what I was hoping for, but we're in the wrong running, now. Aren't running we? pubs anymore. Yeah, right. well, that was the Cab first drivers. thing that that was what first came to mind when you said, Oh, we guess what they're doing now. I thought this would be a great game. Yeah, so did I. Do they run know. a transport company yeah. or run a pub? Before I'd started realising what they did, I thought this game is not as fun. If this I mean, basically done, basically every player is either going to be a scout or playing for a legends team. So pretty yes. much apart from Frank LaBeouf, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if we'd done this in 1991, not 1999, it might be different. Um, or 1985. Or 1985. Yeah, definitely. definitely 1985. Um, you'll never get uh, Gabriel Ambrosetti, who played oh, very God, little God, for no. Chelsea. Isn't it? He was a coach under um, Francesco Guadalin at Swansea, but now is uh, a pundit on Italian TV. Um, Didier Deschamps played. Of course, we know what he's doing these days. Um, Roberto Di Matteo was in that team. Um, European Cup winner, European Roberto Cup, Di yeah, Last seen at Villa Manager in 2016. Gus Poyet, current manager of Bordeaux. Oh no, just, he's just been sacked as Bordeaux manager, but was last at Bordeaux. And then, look, playing one up front, big, tall Norwegian, Mr Torre Andre Floor, who runs a coaching academy. So yeah, all very boring. There's no taxi drivers, but I thought, but that is the 11. They did have two Englishmen that came on um, that afternoon. Is that John Terry, one of them? No, John Harley, who I didn't actually see what was doing now. He might be doing um, something interesting. He's running a pub. Yeah, let's hope he's running a pub. Jody Morris was the other one who's obviously assistant to... John Harley is the player that Tim Lovejoy tipped to be uh, player of the 2000s for Chelsea. Really? Yeah, loved him, Tim. Yeah. Okay, well, unless I delve deeper into this, the quick Wikipedia of John Harley says nothing since 2013 when he was playing for Maidstone United, one of my former haunts of locality when I, I used to live there up until seven months ago. But um, yeah, yeah, don't know what he's doing now though. I think I saw him on something once. 
not too long ago, John Harney. Can't remember what it was though. I wasn't know the Chelsea Legends game. Was nah, it? I wouldn't go to one of those. <laughs> Been tipped off about it. Big, they, were, they weren't the only day, uh, team that day though that were filled in some overseas stars. Southampton had a few of their own. Claus Lundigvardum, who was there a long oh, time. Been there forever, yeah. yeah. Hassan Kashlul. In Moroccan. Oh yeah, was uh, was Egalos in Stapler? Um, he was on. No, no, he didn't. He wasn't. Marion Pars. Marion Pars was there. Um, the all, Latvian Michael Owen. The Latvian Michael <laughs> Owen, of course. <laughs> Somebody who I vaguely remember, Trond Egil Soldvet, was playing in yeah, midfield. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. And then they had Lewis Balmorta, who obviously famous playing for Arsenal, and Joe Tesson come off the bench. So, Joe Tesson. Joe Tesson, a Norwegian. I think he was Norwegian as well. Yeah. So they're three you Norwegians. Played for Liverpool. No, I think no, he scored against Liverpool. Back. Possibly, that's maybe the connection making. So yeah, that was the landmark day on Boxing Day 1999. Um, to finish, and we had one more little subject, but I'm going to include that in this kind of final, and we're going to go a bit festive. I asked the guys um, to, to any festive memories they have from the 90s, and this is one of mine that was very much in the forefront of my memory. Um, this is the 31st of December 1994. This is, goes down in Arsenal's history as, oh, I was there when John Jensen scored. What they always eliminate from this lovely fairy tale story of John Jensen's only goal for Arsenal is it actually came in a 3-1 defeat at Highbury to Queen's Park Rangers. <laughs> and I was there. So, yeah, I mean, it was a bizarre night, actually, because uh, I think, it, I mean, Arsenal weren't very good that season. It was always going to be a mid-table season. I think we Hold finished. on, Ash, what date did you say it was? Um, 31st of December, 1994. What, New Year's Eve? Yeah, we're, yeah game on New Year's Eve. Well, you on, know what? I, on the afternoon just, or on the, on the, on the it afternoon? It was an evening game. It was an evening game. But like a late, yeah. evening game yeah, but like New an early, early United had a, uh, Southampton away that day. Southampton away. I know, oh, no, no it was at three o'clock. I'm just thinking because it was late when it came out. No, it was an afternoon game. It was an afternoon game. It's, it's, yeah, it seems weird. But, yeah. There was a big hoo ha because United had Southampton away New Year's Eve, and obviously, game finishes at five. New Year's Eve, getting back to the Northwest. Yeah. Ready to get in. Yeah. Well, I think it must have been a Saturday as well because I, I'd have, yeah, yeah, I don't think I would have gone. Yeah, it would have three o'clock, so of course it would have been a Saturday. So, yeah. It wasn't, you know, New, New Year's Eve isn't actually a public holiday, is it? So it would have been a, a Saturday three o'clock game. But I just remember, so we took the lead, Kevin Gallen, after th- like really early on, actually. Then Jensen got this equaliser. The place went balmy, like at the, up to that point, one of the biggest atmospheres I've ever seen in an away ground. Then we scored through Bradley Allen and Andy Impey. So we come out of the ground, sort of buoyant. You know, we'd beaten Arsenal, even though Arsenal were pretty average that season. And we were coming out celebrating, but the, the bastards were celebrating as well because they'd seen John Jensen <laughs> score his first goal, for a first and only goal. after He signed in 1992 off the back of Euro 92, um, also part of the story of George Graham and the, you know, the transfer allegations aimed at him with Rina Haga. Um, and he never scored, and he was a defensive midfielder anyway. He'd scored in that final in 92, but yeah, this was this big hurrah. Um, I think, well, no, I don't think I know, one of my former friends... His dad had a T-shirt that said, I saw John Jensen score. And I remember when I first met them, just laughing, saying, so did I, we beat you 3-1. Um, which Talk, of... Talking of festive memories, are you going to include New Year's Day 1992? Well, no, because we'll, we'll have time to talk about that on the first one of the new year, won't we? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah We're very much point. going to talk about that in detail, Matthew. We, yeah. don't get, we don't get much fun like that, but we will do. Uh, and the QPR fans will know what I'm talking about. But that's another one of my festive memories. Everybody who listens knows what you're talking about. Exactly. They bloody well shit as well. As uh, you know, It's not often May United get beaten 4-1 at home. Can even I know Can I... Dennis Bailey score. 
Oh, yes. well, he's got, got a hat trick. Got a hat trick. Oh. Oh, well, there you go. That's, that's the only thing I know about it. And I have no interest in Manchester United versus QPR. Even I knew that. It was on the match live. It was. Wellsby. Oh, Wellsby. Yeah. I watched it. Yeah. Uh, can I just say, my? I don't know if you were going to ask us highlights of I was. 90s football. Um, I'm just well, thinking off the top of my head. This podcast. It's not really. A, it's not really a highlight. But I remember going away to Leeds on Christmas Eve, 1995. Uh, Yuboa scored. You must remember it was live on TV. Do you not remember it? it was a, yeah, I do remember. I remember Christmas Eve. Yeah. It was Christmas Eve, twelve o'clock kickoff, and I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And there was a big stink last year. Liverpool played yeah. Arsenal just before Christmas, and. They were penciling it in for Christmas Eve because it's a, it was a Sunday, and everyone was saying that's a disgrace. I thought if I was a football fan, I'd love to play a football game on Christmas Eve. I don't know what. Well, I'm a football fan, obviously, but I, I mean, if you're going to games Christmas Eve, that's a great time to go and watch football. And it just—I've always remembered that game because, as far as I know, it was the only Christmas Eve game in the Premier League era. I mean, obviously, yeah, you go back a bit further than that. There were Christmas Eve, Day yeah. games and all that. Well, that kind used of to stuff, be the thing is that people would play. Wouldn't they Double play like each other on Christmas Day and yeah. Christmas Day and Boxing Day or something? Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and then reverse the fixtures and you get like 6-3-1 day and then like 8-1 the next and all that did, kind did of Sky, stuff. Sky always pop out that crazy one, don't they? Like 1963. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was that. clearly pissed because yeah. there's like eight sixes and yeah. uh, uh, four nines and things like yeah. that. You know, it's, it's wild. You just go, yeah, yeah, everybody was on the smile. I, I just so think it's great. I would, have, I would have Christmas Day football. I think oh, no. there's nothing to do Christmas Day. Oh, you can't you know, have that. No, I'm, Why? I'm, I, I well, draw the line of that. They did it up until 1960. Well, they did it up until the mid yeah. 70s. It's got a day off as well. Anyway, fans, it would ruin Christmas yeah, for but, families. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, Brexit's but, already doing that. We don't need anything else. <laughs> but people are bored at Christmas. It gets to about three o'clock. If you're I'm telling not. me if United had Liverpool, Chelsea had Arsenal on Christmas Day. It wouldn't get about twenty-five million people watching. I wouldn't be allowed. There's nothing to else to do. Those things, like remember those games from the seventies, where like the three-day week was happening and all that. And, yeah, and you know, played in Ars- the day. Yeah, Arsenal were playing Stoke City on like a Tuesday afternoon while everybody was at work at forty-five thousand. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be the biggest. Sky would go absolutely mad for that. But well, I mean, they do it in America. They do. I think it's Matthew. If you're around, yeah, around, America, if you're around look, Ameri- in America, an American football. They don't have the population of away fans that are going to yeah, but does, yeah, but does... Hang on a minute. Does Sky give a damn about away fans? Oh, God, no, of course they don't. So, but they I don't mean, be... I'm thinking... Yeah, I'm thinking in terms of a spectacle. If, if Sky could put a big Premier League game on Christmas Day, I think they would do it. Right. Oh, God, they'd put it on at three in the morning if, if they, they could. If they could do it, yeah. get away with it. I don't think players would want to do it. And Matthew, if you're at my house at three o'clock on Christmas Day, I guarantee you it's not boring. We are Christmas non-stop in the Rose House. Uh, you'd be, Do you know uh, what, um, have you seen what ITV is showing at 10 past three after the Queen's speech on Christmas Day? I haven't even looked at the TV, but go on. Well, ITV have given up the course completely. They're showing a repeat of a celebrity Christmas chase special. Oh God, ouch. Well, and you're telling me you'd rather watch that than oh, no, the TV, QPR. We'll be watching whatever's on bloody BBC, whatever the film is, <laughs> Frozen or whatever. We'll be probably It'll playing games and getting a few snowballs in. That's normally what happens about three o'clock. Or still be eating dinner. I don't know. It's the I telly doesn't really go two. on. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, telly doesn't no, really go on. No, boxing days. Boxing days. The football day. Football days. Boxing. Day. Yeah, but you could have both. No, the old days. Nah, nah. Disappointed me. I think Christmas day. Christmas day is just impossible because there's no public transport. Whether you want to sort that out, blah 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 blah. But I also think. 
that um, Christmas Eve, I, I was kind of like, oh, you can't be doing that, fans who want to travel back, because like a lot of the public transport stops later anyway, and then yeah, yeah but people drive. I'm, no, I don't agree. Yeah. With that. What Christmas Eve? Oh, Christmas Eve. No, I don't like it. Christmas you Eve day, maybe. Not well, of course it was. Christmas Eve. Eve. No, 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 it was Christmas Eve. The United Eves game was a twelve o'clock kick. Yeah, I don't, so, yeah, I've got no problem with that. You know, yeah, people right. people go to work. Christmas. You know, it really makes no difference. But the the, the public outcry last year, I seem to remember thinking, "Come on, you know, Christmas well, Eve." On about putting it on, it was like Arsenal Liverpool. It was Arsenal Liverpool. Yeah. Yes, but, that's London. So that's getting back, and you've got a load of trains that are going to be mental anyway. And then you're putting on. Let's say you know because Liverpool would take a lot to that game. Yeah, so, yeah, but but not many of them would go and buy a train. No, no, a lot of football fans don't go by train anymore. It's not like the seventies with the, the football special, special, is it? I mean, most oh, away fans now. We've been very I mean, past nineties tonight, aren't we? I know. But if you go, if you go to most, um, you look at most London games. You know, United City, Liverpool, Everton, whoever. Those four o'clock. Five o'clock games, you wouldn't get a train back from Houston after about nine o'clock anyway. So, I mean, mm. people still get back. I just think there's, there was more outcry about that Christmas Eve game than if it was a Monday night. I mean, if Arsenal played Liverpool on a Monday night at Arsenal, there wouldn't be that much of an outcry. But then as soon as it's Christmas Eve, I don't really see the difference. Um, well, Christmas Eve in the day, I don't mind. Christmas Day, no. Boxing Day for me is a football day, and for me, it should be a derby day. It was at some point in life that it usually like some. You get people who are kind of somewhere near. Yeah, I think they still regionalise it. Teams tend to be in the north. I will tell you what, teams. we had Plymouth away twice on Boxing Day in my lifetime. But that's still that's still yeah, that's London still southern. That's a bit of a trek, though. Isn't it? That's, yeah, that's two hundred That's two hundred miles from London to Plymouth. Easier. Yeah. But it's not like it's not like Hartlepool are playing Plymouth, is it? Well, no, no. That. But yeah, off. we've got Ipswich at home, so I'll be there on Boxing Day. This... I don't know where we are on Boxing Day. We've, uh, we, we might be Ipswich or somebody, um, which is a that's a funny one actually. If it is Ipswich, I can't remember. No, uh, we've got Ipswich. I've just said that. All right, sorry. No, we've got Ipswich <laughs> at some point over Christmas though. Oh, okay. home, I'm I'm sure, but I don't know. Who we've got on Boxing Day. I should know that. Um, but I, you know my my Boxing Day story, which I've told a million times, is Andre Kanchelskis versus Chris Morris, four oh. nil four nil at Everton. Uh, Janino crocked in the first two minutes. Then Andre Kanchelskis versus Chris Morris scores two, set, uh, scores one, sets up two or sets up three, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, and Alan Wright's wonderful oh, um, that goal, w- wonderful goal for Aston Villa against Borough, right in front of me, the one that I nearly got battered for standing up and applauding at the Riverside. So yeah, that was that was on New Year's Day. You are playing Sheffield Wednesday on Boxing Day. Oh we, yeah, we mm. it, yeah. It, it, we, I went to Sheffield Wednesday once on Boxing Day, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, there we go. Keep uh, the nineties. Well, that was the same day that Chelsea fielded and yeah, all of that. Yeah, well, we were. We, yeah, we went to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, my girlfriend, my first proper love, had finished with me a week before, so I was in the middle of a bloody nervous breakdown about that. Uh, and then I just remember Nicholas Alexanderson absolutely torturing us. I think we got beat two nil. What a week. What a week it was. Yeah, it was a bit of a disaster, really. I spent Christmas in a hotel because I was meant to be going with my girlfriend and I had, and, uh, I had no... Where? In go. Sheffield? No, in, in Middlesbrough. I was in a hotel in Middlesbrough and then I went and stayed at my friend's house after that. <laughs> it was a really desperate time. I think, there, I think there should be a whole episode about that. <laughs> about what my girlfriend... I tell you what happened then. Should have been our festive episode. I tell you what happened then. <laughs> we went to... For, for the new year, for the millennium, we went to Crane. Like, you know, do you know that thing they did up to your head, Matthew? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, speaking, I'm speaking to you from about 400 yards away from Cream used to be. Oh, right, near Nation. I didn't know you lived near there. Uh, yeah, I, used yeah, to, yeah. I used to go to the Cream quite a lot, you know. Yeah, but it's now it's now been demolished and there's now some 
luxury apartments. Well, I say well, that luxury. Does, that yeah. doesn't sound like yeah. every nightclub in the world. Yeah. Um, I used to like Crane, but the, the P-Head was an absolute disaster because it was a massive cavernous tent that was, even though it had about 20,000 people in there, was still freezing cold. I think Fat Boy didn't go on until four in the morning, but me, I'd booked it with uh, with Rebecca, and then we'd gone back to the hotel and rowed all night, stayed up rowing all night. Happy for about year. Eight in the, yeah, happy happy new millennium. Yeah, <laughs> I remember sitting there and the big breakfast was on, and I was like, "We've been rowing all night. This is ridiculous." And um, yeah, and then we went into Liverpool Centre, and I guess I didn't even have a drink that night. I was just in that much of a of a mess, and and then just went and got horribly drunk on no uh, with no uh, no sleep, emotionally distraught, full of hooch. drink drinking in Liverpool. No, I think it'll have been strong beer and Jack Daniels. But um, yeah, that was that was a wonderful start to the millennium for me. I was very happy. Uh, girl, my the the first love of my life finished me. Then going to Sheffield, uh, staying, spending Christmas in a hotel, then going to um, going to Sheffield Wednesday, getting beat, then going to Cream, not having a drink all night, then making a tit of myself the next day, getting drunk and declaring and dying and crying in pubs in front of all my pals. So that went well. Right. How, how do you beat that? I was going to say, I don't think I can top any more Christmas memories for, apart from that. I mean, my first ever QPR game was over Christmas, but I don't think you can top that story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There was, uh, there was a game in the 80s. I'm oh, going to get another yellow card here. 89 80, 90 season. Oh, you can just about have that then. December 23rd, United had Liverpool away at Anfield. And get this, the match with Elton Wellsby, they Friend didn't show the it like didn't show it live they showed it on an hour-long delay Ooh. so the game the game kicked off uh i don't know uh one o'clock something like that and they, showed it in and, full. and they showed it in full and it started an hour an hour after kickoff but if what you was do that about then why, why was that uh, it, was some, it was some kind of rancor i've looked into it before a, i found a website where it talks about there was some kind of issue about i, I tell you what it was itv didn't it clashed with something it was like a t a a TV uh, clash and r- ridiculously, uh, as it yeah, seems now. Morning worship or something. Yeah, they wanted to it was show a Wheel of Fortune like, celebrity some, special. Yeah, was it? it was something like that. So they thought, oh, well, we can't cancel that. So we'll just. Uh, so I remember it vividly because obviously um, there was no. You know, we still had teletext then, but um, yeah, it started, say, if you went on teletext, you could see the score though, surely. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, it was one of those where you did. You know, you I thought, well, I'm not going to yeah. look, but. Um, but yeah, can you imagine that now? United playing Liverpool at Anfield, well, December twenty third. Because because of, of social media, you couldn't do it because the spoilers would be there. And it was nil nil, and throughout the game, the cop was singing Fergie, Fergie on the doll, and I always think, how you know, at the time they were probably quite right thinking that, but <laughs> how funny things worked out because about a week or two later, United played Forest away in the FA Cup third Mark round. Robbins. Mark Robbins scored yeah. and. Uh, there you go. Talking of Man United managers, and we can ask you about this because it's got a 90s twist, um, a certain baby-faced assassin from the 90s back in Manchester. How are you feeling after this traumatic week in Old Trafford, Matthew? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm good to see him back. He's at the, uh, he's at the United Christmas party tonight. Oh, this is good, quite interesting. first gig, isn't it? He's, come, he's gone straight back and he's out with the, with the lads, apparently. Out on the last straight away. Yeah. Are they all dressed yeah. up? Was there no talk of Ferguson just jumping back in for a few months? In as well, well. He's not well, is well, he? Well, though. I mean, Busby, Busby did it. But, I mean, I don't know if you saw that brilliant. BT uh, film about United in the seventies that where it all went horribly wrong after 
Busby left, and then numerous managers came and went. Will and then Bus- and- yeah, and Busby did come back, and it, I mean that's the last thing anyone really wants to see. I mean, imagine Fergie did come back to the end of the season, and it, it was a horrible mess. I mean, he just that would be the worst stain of a legacy ever. Plus, he's it? not been as as Ash says, which I've forgotten. He's not been. He's well. not been well, but he's been, he's there every game, so he may as well have a go. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think Mourinho had to go. I think I think it's not so much whether he's up to the job or whether he's any good or whether he's bad. I just think once the perception is there that you're not in control of a club or a dressing room, I think you have to go. I just so think... Is that the players could... then, Matthew? Is that Pogba and, and Sanchez and people well, like that? What have you heard from within there? Well, I, well, I haven't really I haven't any more than you, but I just think once you... I, don't, I never thought that he bought into it personally, Mourinho. I mean, he, he lived in a hotel. hotel. Well, he didn't live in a hotel. Alan. He stayed, yeah. stayed in a hotel. Alan Park, like yeah. Full on like Joel on Christmas night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, here we go. <laughs> but, I mean, I always thought that was strange. I mean, all right, he lives in Chelsea. Just buy a house. You don't have to live here, do you? Just buy a house. Say you well, live I mean, there. Been there. How long have you been there? Two and a half years? Two and a half years. I mean, you know, most get the club to buy your house and just say, look, take it out of my wages. But... It just seemed to me a, a weird statement to sort of not buy into the whole thing. Um, it suggests, an, uh, and and this isn't a word, but it suggests an unpermanence, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and, and yeah. in this day and age, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm bringing it back to Klopp, but only because I know the situation. But, you know, he came in, he got the he took he got the job. He, you know, first night he was out in Liverpool having a drink. He's bought. He, he lives in the area. He's, you know, he might not be here to stay. I mean, I know Rafa Benitez still lives here, funny enough, well, over the water. But, you know, you don't have to stay, but just at least say, oh, I'm here and this is where I'm living. And I've just, you know, me me and the wife have moved into the area and we love it and it's great. You know, go with the flow. You don't, it just doesn't. It suggests that you're all in. And if you're staying in a hotel, how can you sell it to a club if you have that area? Yeah, and especially when you're on, I mean, if, if Joel, you got a job and you, you had to go to, Plymouth or what have you, yeah. In the long run, you might have to buy, move there, and, and what have you. But you, it's not as easy as it is for someone that's on twelve million quid a year. I mean, he he could have bought a million pound flat in Salford Keys, and yeah, but it's an, it's a, you know it's not a hardship for him. Is it? It's a hardship when you've got to move somewhere. And it and, must drive you mad living in a hotel, like like as a mental strain. It's, you you can't relax on a night knowing that you're going back to a public place. No. it's that's no. what I never understood. I I no, I just, I I've got nothing against him personally. Well, I never met, met the guy, but I just thought it never really felt right. It never felt like a project. I hate that word, but it never felt like a sort of a. It was never a chapter, and and I just felt the way it was going towards the end. I just thought, yes, people pull the bandle these stats around, going, well, he's won more trophies than this, and he's done this. Well, that's fair enough, but Bobby Charlton was one of the greatest footballers in the world's ever seen. But you know, you're not going to get him coming back to play for United. So you can't keep living on what you have done. You've got to do, you've got to live on what you're doing now. And I just watching, I mean, that game against Liverpool on Sunday, I thought was awful. Yeah. I mean, I, I just thought United were dreadful. No, different leagues. Different leagues. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool are obviously a much better team and they play, I'm not taking anything away from them, but United just looked dreadful. And I thought, I thought then, I thought something's not right there. And if, whether it's him or what, a change had to be made and you can't get rid of five or six players can you and um, I, well, think, I thought it would be the dream team of Mark Hughes and Steve Bruce coming to step in oh they were well, the call those lads <laughs> I, 
I would love that. No. I would, I would have that over. Well, yeah, but you're talking to someone that can't speak for two minutes without talking about 1985. So. Yeah, but as managers, <laughs> both of them. So I think Solskjaer's about as close as I'm going to get. But Mark Hughes, toxic. I, I, wouldn't, I wonder whether... Um, I wonder whether he'll stay. Solskjaer will stay. I mean, who knows? Um, I would who imagine knows? if he does well, he would get a play on the coaching staff. And let, I mean, I don't even if he won the Champions League, I can't see him giving the job. You know, look. I was going to say if, if he if he wasn't Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, super sub who won the Champions League, he wouldn't be getting anywhere no. bloody near that job. Nine months of Cardiff where he won like five matches. It's it's not. You know, he's done well at Mould in Norway, but this is a different, literally a completely different league to to, to manage. Well, we we should see. You don't always. Oh. You don't always know. Though, don't you? Don't. I, I I kind of want to go down that route. I don't like this thing of getting the hitman in. You know, the sort of. Oh, Ancelotti, you know, these kind of men that just come in and, and stay for a couple of years. I think that United have made that mistake for too long. I think they've just been arrogant in the way they thought, oh, we'll just get someone in, pay them 20 million quid a year and they'll come in and win the league. I don't think it's about that. I did like that stuff that was doing the rounds the other day that says there's still five months of David Moyes' oh, no, contract to go. Absolutely yeah, right. but I, I mean, everyone laughs about that, but I, I think they had the right idea when they did that. I mean, look... I mean, I keep bringing it back to Klopp, but I mean, with Liverpool, what they've done is they've gone, all right, we're not going to win the league anytime soon, but we'll get the right man in there and we'll give him the time to try and do something about it. And from what I'm seeing, that's paying off. And even City, when Guardiola went in there, remember, he didn't win the league first straight season, away. Yeah. I mean, he fin- they finished fifth or something in the first. You know, the, it, it, it takes time. You can't just... I mean, it, obviously Chelsea have done it. They've, they've had managers come in and one leagues in the first season it does happen obviously you can't say it doesn't but I think you definitely need a, an element of stability there and a bit of a something that people can believe in and I think United need to bear that in mind when it comes to their next manager but unfortunately whoever it is if it gets to Christmas and they're seventh or something then they're gonna it's the same thing's gonna happen again everyone's gonna say oh he's not the right man and uh, the thing that was always interesting about Moyes that I sort of thought about later on was that it never ever looked like there's the story that you know that David Moyes was at home and Ferguson rang him and said right I've got to come round I'm going to talk to you and Ferguson came and told him he was going to be Manchester United manager and mm. it always felt like this was something that perhaps he wouldn't you know I mean everybody wants to manage Manchester United obviously but it was something that was kind of is forced upon him the right words yeah. well I think it dropped in his lap or yeah yeah I mean I, yeah, Ferguson had told him he was going to do it, and then that was it. It was done, and it was almost like he didn't have any say in it. And obviously, it's a big vote of confidence in Ferguson, who sort of saw a, a different version of him of himself there. But it always felt like it wasn't really his club. But then, yeah, and, know, and and is it Ferguson's decision to make that choice? I mean, I don't think it is. I mean, you, no, I mean, he could I, do what he's wanted at the time. When, though, you get, he? when you leave when you leave a job, do you get to pick your successor? That, that, no. that very rarely happens. No, I agree, and, and I've got nothing against Moyes. I think I liked him, and yeah, a lot of the United fans didn't. But then he he was always going to be the full guy. But I just I don't like the way they went down this road of oh, we just got to buy get somebody in, and, and they're going to win us the league, and because that's not going to happen now. You, you need someone in there that's going to be there for four or five years at least before you're going to start seeing. Who is the who is the Guardiola? Who is the Klopp? Who is the you know who who's what? I mean Zidane is the obvious one, isn't mm. it? Surely. I don't. Yeah, but I don't think he's a long-term. Fix. No, I don't think he is. I don't know if he'd I mean, want to do it. No, I don't think. I, I mean, there's probably people we don't necessarily know about that, you know, or people that are off the radar. But I mean, there's, 
I just think you, you, you've got to buy into it wholesale. You've got to say, this is how it's going to be. You know, I, I'm the boss. I've got to sign these players. I've got to have time. And I know they did say that with Moyes. I mean, Ferguson famously said in the on the pitch, you know, get behind the manager. And the, it, it, once it starts going wrong, it's very difficult to, to um, I mean, again, bringing it back to Klopp. He's going to have to be in the bingo car. But I mean, do you remember this time last year, Liverpool went out of the cup to West Brom and there was talk of them, you know, they were fourth in the league and everyone was saying, oh, well, Liverpool are going to go another season without winning anything. And then they got to the Champions League final, nearly won it probably could have won it maybe should have won it and, and how that and now look how it's changed so you, you just gotta sometimes give people time it's such a cliche but it's it's true you can and i've got a horrible feeling if it is pochettino everyone's going to think oh great and, and then 18 months down the line he could face the same problems and then he could end up getting another why you know, is and this this sounds a ludicrous thing to say but why is Pochettino going to leave Spurs where he's got a team in his well, own image and, yeah. a, and, a, and a chairman that backs him whenever they can? I mean, it might get a bit hairy over the next few years with the um, stadium. stadium and you yeah. might look at it in, in all that way, you know, look at what Arsenal went through. But if, why is Pochettino going to leave Spurs? Which is I don't know. And I think that's an arrogance as, as well. I mean, I said this to someone today, I, purely in football terms and taking any bias out of it, I wouldn't... I, it's easy to say, but I wouldn't say that United job if I yeah, was him. Especially because, given boardroom level. Yeah, as well. you've only got one way to go, really, and that's down. I mean, it, like Joel says at the minute, there's every chance he could win the League Cup. He could get a good, great run in Europe. You know, he could get to the semi-finals of the Champions League with a with a bit of luck and a, a good run. You could get top four. You could get go to a new stadium. You could go to United, and you're going straight into a madhouse at the minute. You know, mm-hmm. and, how much um, is Woodward to blame? Well. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I, it's not for me to say. I don't know what goes on there, but I, there's something behind the scenes at the club that's rotten. I think, and it's and it's and it, it's showing now. And it's not necessarily Mourinho's fault. It's not necessarily. I think the players are, have got a lot to answer for. But I, it's just a classic history repeating itself. If if you get the chance to see that um, that documentary that was on BT, but uh, Wayne Barton, uh, sort of a I'd say a friend of mine, a guy I know that does a lot of great stuff uh, with United. He he was he's written a book called Too Good to Go Down, and it was based on that. And uh, it's brilliant because it is it's history repeating. So it sounds ridiculous, but there's every chance in five years' time United could be. You know what? It's facing funny, relegation. I, said, I said this today to somebody. I went. They could end, they could easily get pulled into something with a bit with a bit of complacency and laxadaisical. And it happened in the 1970s. Um, yeah. I think well, it's happened with, it happened with Leeds. It happened yeah, with well, well, that's who I was, I was going to bring up mm. Leeds because they said they went round. James Brown was tweeting about it, the former, getting it back to the 90s, the former loaded editor. Uh, you should try to get him on one time, Ash. Yeah, why not? James Brown. Not the not singer. The, not the soul singer. <laughs> not, the soul not, singer. not the singer who died, on, who died on Christmas Day. I he thought did. nothing could hurt me on Christmas Day like James Brown died. And then George <laughs> Michael died on Christmas Day. I remember that. Was it as bad as being in that hotel in Middlesbrough? Oh no, it was much better. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's finish on Mourinho, Man United, and, and 2018. And um, any more 90s memories from the festive period for him with you? Or we shall we end it? Um, general 90s football memories? No, I don't think so. I think we've got we've, yeah. we've had our fair share. As I said, my first ever game, December 28th, 1992, was at uh, Loftus Road for QPR for Everton two. And so just just before the uh, Dennis Bailey game, yeah, just before that, yeah, no, that would have been the no because 
Dennis Bailey was New Year's Day 1992. He was the, he was the following Oh, season. sorry, it was yeah. the following yeah, season. Yeah, yes, yeah. my mistake. Yeah, but we'll yeah. talk about so that you, next time. I'll keep my powder dry. Yeah, you do that. And Joel, go and watch that game. It's brilliant. Because you, know you know that game cost United the league. Exactly. There's loads, there's loads of context. There's loads to talk about. We'll, yeah. we'll be back in the new year for this week in the 90s, as well as a lot more from Alive and Kicking. Please stay tuned. And uh, this is my time where I say thank you to everyone for downloading and listening and everyone who gets involved on Twitter, on the social. Uh, we very much appreciate it. We want to make this podcast bigger and better next uh, season. Despite any competition there may be, we appreciate your support. I appreciate these guys. Thank you very much, Joel. Thank you very much, Matthew, for joining us every week. We've got some big plans for the future. So if people want to keep in touch with you, Joel, tell us again, where can they now find you on the social? <laughs> yeah, well, it's now Joel Baby Tweets on Twitter, uh, which is an easier spelling anyway. Yeah. Uh, so just come and find me. I'm, I'm very much lacking in followers, but yeah. as I said to you, you know, I'm, as in the preamble before we came on, I've got Kathy Burke back, so I'm happy. It's right. all That's right. That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. That's all you wanted for Christmas. Uh, Matthew, you haven't changed. You're still Matthew Chris, and where can people find you? Yeah, I'm at Matthew J Christ without the H. Without the H. Um, and you can follow myself at Ashrays UK. But more importantly, follow the show at AK Nineties. Your support is very, very much appreciated have a great christmas if you get any 90s football related presents stick them on twitter always love to see that we'll be back in the new year have a great christmas have a great 2019 we'll see you then i've been ash road this has been alive and kicking until next time keep it 90s happy christmas everyone <laughs> it's christmas <laughs> that's not very 90s is it all i want for christmas is you